Welcome to the Asbury First United Methodist Church Weekly Sermon. We hope you enjoyed this message by Stephen Cady. For more information about this podcast or other ways to connect, please visit asburyfirst.org. For some, it happens a little earlier, but almost every year, by the time we reach those last two weeks of December, some people have begun to name out loud what so many others have been feeling for maybe a couple of months before. Maybe you've heard it. Maybe you've muttered it yourself. I just can't wait for this year to be done. I just can't wait for 2022 to be over, for 2021 to be behind us, for 2020 to finally be done. Who knows? Maybe we've always done that. Will 1974 ever end? Watergate, am I right? (laughs) But it is curious, isn't it? For as much as we understand time to be a social construct, a series of mutually agreed-upon understandings that help us order our lives and measure change, nevertheless, the changing of one year to the next still does seem to matter. It does, for whatever reason, offer us the opportunity to start anew. If we look back over our past year and recognize that we're not where we wanted to be, a new year gives us a chance to start again. Should old acquaintance be forgot? Maybe some of us are there this morning. Looking back over our last year and recognizing that it was not really our year. Recognizing that some of the people who were there at the start of last year were not there at its end. That our health, our grades, our job, our career, our relationships, our lives have changed. Sure, some for the better. but not all. No chances are high that some among us were those people who were saying at the end of last year, I just can't wait for this year, for 2022 to be done. Well, good news, friends, we got our wish. Here we are, one week into 2023. We are 152nd of the way through this year. How's it going? Is it everything you were hoping it would be? Are you better off than you were a week ago? It's a little early to tell, isn't it? Unless we've had some major tragedy over the last week, and as those who were watching the Bills game on Monday night know, some people have. Chances are high most of us are still about where we were a week ago. But one weekend, there's still hope. There's still the possibility that something could change in this year ahead. There's still that optimism we hold on to. Only we know that if we're going to get there in the next 51 weeks, it's going to take being willing to make 
some changes. After all, friends, nothing changes if nothing changes. And while this is the time of year in which we each make those commitments to personal change, to stop biting our nails or go on a diet or put the laundry away before we wear it, as a people of faith, we recognize that it's not enough for the world to be better for us. As disciples of Jesus Christ, we recognize that we want the world better for everyone, not just us, but for all. So maybe we ought to open at the close. Maybe we ought to end or begin at the ending. That is, to pause for just a moment and picture ourselves, New Year's Eve 2023, looking around at a better world and to ask ourselves, what would it take to get there? to get to that final moments of those countdowns and not be desperate for the next year to come, but instead hopeful about everything that has happened in this year and the trajectory that we happen to be on. In a way, without all the fanfare and countdown, that is kind of what we do week after week. That's sort of the purpose of a church. We gather together week after week to make sure we're all still pointing in the right direction. We're still all facing the same way. We know that we don't have to think the same way to face in the same direction. That's what we come to do, to rehearse a way of life that we're called to live in the world, to remind each other that we can together take another collective step toward that kingdom of heaven, that vision for a world in which we all finally and fully live as Christ commanded. And the good news is that we know how, what Christ commanded, that we love God, and that we love our neighbor as ourselves. And he promised that when we do, we find life, not at death, but right now. Week after week, we gather together to remind each other, to point each other in the direction of life. Ought we not do, ought we, should we not do the same year after year? In other words, friends, what we're really asking ourselves when we picture New Year's Eve 2023 is what will it take to make this world come alive? Or rather, what is standing in the way of the world being fully alive right now? What are the barriers? What are the obstacles? One week in, what are the barriers to fullness of life? And how might we take a little step towards tearing them down? Because if we can take even one tiny step, the world can't help but be better. And fortunately, we don't have to take these steps alone. And truth be told, we're not the first to take them. And while we could all likely come up with a laundry list of all of the obstacles, all of the barriers to fullness of life that are out there, we could name them, couldn't we? We could start with racism. We could start with any other kind of injustice, poverty, sexism, ableism, climate change, the way that we destroy our LGBTQ siblings by pushing them away. We could keep going on and on, develop quite a list. But perhaps before we start naming all of the barriers out there, we ought to take a hard look in the mirror and make sure that we are not one of them. Maybe the start of this year, if we want to get to that better world, is to start in the mirror by asking ourselves, are we standing in the way of life for someone? And if so, 
be willing to change. That, of course, is the hard part, isn't it? Fortunately for us, it's possible we can hear it in our scripture lesson for today. It comes from the book of Acts. Maybe you've read all through it before, but for those who haven't, this one comes right in chapter 10, sort of in the middle of the book of Acts, and it tells the story of Peter having a moment of epiphany in which he realizes that unbeknownst to him, he has been standing in the way of life for others, that he has been one of the barriers to life for others, though he meant well, just like us, though he didn't want to, just like us, he nevertheless, through the way he believed and through his understanding, had been preventing others from life. Only unlike so many of us, when Peter came to understand this, he was willing to change. Is there anything more courageous in our world today than being willing to change? Fortunately for us, he did, because in so doing, he changed the world. The trajectory of our faith forever. Now, some will know that the book of Acts is really the sequel to the Gospel of Luke, written by the same author or at least the same community at roughly the same time, 40 or 50 years after the life of Jesus. And it has the same message as the Gospel of Luke has, which is trying to communicate that Jesus was the Savior of the whole world, not of some people, but of all people, of Jew and Gentile alike. There had been some question back in the day about whether or not you needed to be Jewish first and then Christian, meaning specifically that you would have to be circumcised in order to be Christian. Imagine those new member classes. No, for them, they had to figure out what does it mean to be a person of faith, to find your way forward. And Peter, like so many others, took a fairly narrow view. We could see it at the beginning of the book of Acts. He had this understanding that because Jesus was Jewish, and because he was Jewish, because all of the early disciples were Jewish, something that's important to remember in this moment of rising anti-Semitism. He thought that because they were Jewish, everybody else had to be to hear this message of faith. And then he discovered he was wrong. He was paying attention to this man, Cornelius, who was a Roman centurion, that is, a Gentile. And he saw, surprising to him, he saw the Spirit at work within him. And he heard this voice from heaven seem to say to him, Do not call profane that which I have made clean. Do not call profane that which God has made clean. And he suddenly understood his faith in a new way. He understood what some of us are still struggling with today, that our faith is meant for all, not for some, but for all. That this good news of life, that this good news of peace is meant for all of us, young and old, black and white, gay and straight, male and female, rich and poor, broken and whole, Republican and Democrat, trans and cis, and everyone beyond and between. It is a message of hope for all, and having heard it, Peter suddenly says, I understand that God shows no partiality, but anyone in any nation who is willing to honor God and to do what is right is acceptable to God. And then he tells the story again, only this time he sees what he had been blind to before. 
He names in our passage for today the whole story of Jesus, only this time pointing out all the ways that from the beginning Jesus included, not excluded, all the ways that he brought people in, not pushed people away, all the ways that he practiced and promised peace, not for some, but for the whole world. Seems particularly important to point out for those among us who are in a denomination right now going through a schism. Some of you know that over the last few months, Methodists who cannot stomach welcoming our LGBTQ siblings in marriage and ministry have begun to break off and form their own more conservative denomination. Indeed, even the man who was our bishop one week ago announced this week that he would be joining this new denomination. And while I do not wish them any ill will, I do mourn the fact that we have yet again missed what has been true from the very beginning of our faith, that the wider we open our arms, the closer we come to the world God intended. Do you hear? The wider we open our arms, the closer we come to the world God intended. Would you rather stand before God having excluded people you should have included or included people you should have excluded? The answer seems so clear. From the very beginning, we are called to choose, whenever there's a question, love over law, to err on the side of love, to welcome more people in than push people out. But let's not get on our high horse. It's easy to grow a little smug, but the truth is it is not simply our misguided Methodist siblings who are struggling with opening their arms wide enough, with casting a wide enough net, we do it too, don't we? We can look down our nose, but if we pretend like we don't, we'll notice that nose begins to grow just a little bit. Can we honestly say that we keep our arms wide open to all of those who don't look like us or think like us or vote like us? If not, then we know one of the barriers we need to start to take down. We know what we need to work on in these next 51 weeks. The good news is we're only one week in. It's still possible to change. That's why we're here. In a way, that's why we remember our baptism through remembering the baptism of Jesus. Because in that moment, Jesus begins his baptism. He hasn't done anything yet. He goes through those waters, and when he comes out, he hears that voice from above. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. This is my son, the beloved. With him, I am well pleased. He hasn't done anything. And yet the grace of God is his. He hasn't yet healed a single soul, taught a single lesson, preached a single sermon, and yet the grace of God is his. The good news, friends, is the same promise is made to us. Look, we may or may not manage to break down some barriers in the year ahead, but the good news is the grace of God is still ours. It's there whether we succeed or whether we fail. That's the beauty and the scandal of grace. There's nothing we can do or say to take it away, which among other things means What have we got to lose? If we know that the grace of God is ours, even if we don't manage to remove a single barrier to life from this broken world, 
then why not try? That is, of course, the promise of grace, that we are God's, whether we live up to that or not, that God is saying, you are my child, the beloved, with you I am well pleased, whether we earn it or not, we don't have to earn it, it's ours, so why not try to do something a little different in this world? And one thing we can take comfort in is that even if by next week we're all saying, I just wish 2023 would be done, We don't have to wait until New Year's Eve to start again. Because as a people of faith, as heirs of God's grace, every week, every day, every moment is a chance to start anew. May it be so. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Asbury First Weekly Sermon. If you enjoyed this message, please visit asburyfirst.org and learn more about our mission to love God and neighbor, live fully, serve all, repeat.